everyone. Welcome to On Purpose. I'm Janice Alpert, your host, where we discuss how people find their purpose and what their purpose is. Today, I'm so excited. I'm going to be interviewing Zach Mathers, who is a life coach. Actually, I'm going to let him tell more about what he does. Welcome, Zach. Yeah, thank you, Janice. Thank you for having me. And uh, I do, I want to say, I love any any podcast where where someone's intentional about trying to help others discover what their purpose is or why they do what they do. I, I love. So I just want to say, yeah, thank you for having me here. Thanks for doing what you do with the show and everything you do. So thank you. Oh, Zach, that is so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. It was funny, you know, when I got this idea in my head, which I don't know how many listeners heard the first one, I got this idea in my head about a year ago during the pandemic and whatnot. And I remember thinking, oh, I just did something I really want to do. I feel strongly about people finding their passion, their purpose in life, but how would I do it? I don't know. And then I thought, it's too much technology and it's over my head. But I don't know, I had such a strong feeling about it that I thought if I can do this and help even one person to get on their path, then I felt like, you know, which I think you'll probably understand. It's like an inside feeling like it's something I have to do. And, And then, so here I'm doing it. So onto your story. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, where did you grow? I really don't know anything at all okay. other than you I'll, live in I'll, Hawaii I'll now. You, I'll give you a little bit of the, like who I am now. And, okay, then we, great. and then we could, we could do a kind of reverse back right now. I live in Maui, Hawaii. Uh, so nice. Love it. Been married uh, 16 years. Wow. Oh, you look kids. so young. <laughs> um, I, I got three, three kids. I got married young. I was literally, I think we were 21 when we got married. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have three kids. Go ahead. Yep. Three kids. My wife and I, we do foster care. We've been a uh, foster parents uh, for about 10 years and we run a nonprofit that works with the foster system on, that on is Maui. So beautiful. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And then, so on top of that, so that's kind of, that's, that's, that's my, my life, my, my, what, you know, I kind of get to do, but then I also have a podcast. It's called Braving the Journey. And mm-hmm. uh, the heartbeat behind my my show is similar to you is but for me, I went through some really heavy stuff. And in that I began to isolate. And I believed this lie that I was the only person that went through it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I moved towards isolation versus stepping into community and going, I need others. And so, mm-hmm. so the podcast Braving the Journey kind of launched out of this idea that we're not designed to walk through life alone. And that we're all going to go through hard stuff. We're all going to go through different traumatic moments and experiences, whether we put them on ourselves or someone puts them on us, but we are. Mm -hmm. And my hope in the show is that people hear stories and they go, wow, I'm not alone. And that's the first step for them to move forward in in the healing direction. Oh my God. I have such goosebumps. I love it. So that kind of, that was the initial, I started the podcast and similar to you. I mean, I like, I bought a bunch of gear off Amazon. It sat in the (laughs) box for like three months. Yes. And I told myself, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that. You know, my <laughs> wife knows I'm a dreamer. So she's like, well, he just bought a bunch of stuff. He's not going to use it. And I recorded two podcasts with some great guests. One, one was going through a stage four cancer and the other one was a, oh. a vet returning. And they, I mean, they just they were vulnerable. They shared their whole story. They brought everything to the table. And then I just felt the sense that I was like, I couldn't move forward without taking some time to record my story, you know, cause I was oh. asking people to be vulnerable uh-huh. and that I, w- I wasn't really sharing my story. So yeah. So I shared my story on my podcast and that kind of, that kind of launched it where all of a sudden it just opened up and it, it's been a go. So I do, so I do the podcast and I also do, I call it recovery coaching, similar mm-hmm. to life coaching, business coaching, whatever, you know, there's, there's a similarity, but a big difference I see in, in, you know, coaching versus counseling. Yes. I believe in both. I, I mean, my wife and I have 
we still go to counseling. I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a given. As, a ther- as a therapist, I'm happy to hear that, but go ahead. Yeah. My mom, my mom was a marriage and family therapist always growing oh, up. Wow. My brother-in-law is one here on the Island. I mean, it's kind of in my family. Love uh, it. Love it. But you know, I think therapy, you have a tendency, you, you get to work a lot on the background of the whys and, and mm-hmm. what brought me here. Where coaching, a lot of times we're looking at the future going where we headed. So with recovery, I think a lot of times people get really stuck in this idea that like, so I'm a recovered alcoholic. I think a lot of times people get stuck in this idea that there's only two ways to kind of recover is I either go to AA or I go to a treatment center. And that's where the coaching kind of comes in is it's going to target and hit somebody that, that maybe is never going to walk in the doors of an AA meeting and alcohol mm-hmm. is anonymous, or they're never going to walk into a treatment center, but they would happily have a coach to start walking through things, you know? I love that. And what that is just, I love everything that you said. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And so now let's like dive a little deeper in here. So right. how did, so where did you grow? I mean, did you grow up in Maui? Tell me a little bit about your growing up. I love that your mom's a therapist. Just yeah. sidebar. Yeah. No, my, yeah. We had to, uh, growing up, you know, there was numerous times like we had to tell my mom, we're like, mom, you stop counseling us right now. Like just, my- just, just be my mom. My boys will probably, if they listen to this, they'll say, uh, I can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my friends always growing up all through, you know, high school got free counseling. I mean, I, I remember breaking up with a girlfriend and I, she calls and she says, can I talk to your mom? And I was like, oh, yeah. you know, so, uh, but no, so, so my, too. my story, I grew up in a great house. You know, I grew up, my parents are still together, loving parents. Uh, my dad and I had a connection bond that was more on the, that we, we worked hard together, mm-hmm. we played hard together. What did, what did your dad do? He, he was always a, a mix of, I mean, he did real estate for a long time, okay. construction for a long time, was part of the family business doing sales for a long time. So kind of a mix, but he was always the guy that would always push me into, you know, he'd be like, Hey, let, let's buy rock climbing gear and rock climb. Hey, let's buy whitewater kayaks and learn to do this. And so we oh. always growing up, I was always the one, like just my dad and I would learn to to play hard together. And he taught me to work hard, you know? And so mm-hmm. we had that relationship, but we didn't have a, you know, real strong. I mean, my mom was the one I would talk to. Mm-hmm. My dad mm-hmm. was the one I would learn to play hard with, you Sports. know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so that was kind of my, my childhood growing up. And you know, what I discovered in my story is really whatever I put my mind to when I, when I was going through high school or whatever, I, whatever I was like, I am going to start this. It worked. And I mean that, I mean that by like, I, let's see. So I went to college in Southern California. Mm -hmm. So you didn't grow up in Hawaii. then? No, I've been here eight years now. And that's kind of part, part of the story of getting here. But, you know, I I grew up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, the Northwest, but went to college in Southern California couple of years into college, decided I was going to start a nonprofit and uh, filming short little documentaries of uh, basically the idea was we were, we were going to show suffering and injustice around the world. And so we bought, right. bought around the world airline tickets and started working with, you know, child prostitution and children, soldiers and, you know. So you're like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. So you, 19 started okay. on pro, started on profit. With two Zach, you're like amazing. Go ahead. No, but see, so this, this is where it was, though. It was like this spot where anything I was do, putting my mind towards, it was really working. So start the nonprofit, travel around the world. It goes well, come back, get engaged to my wife. We move from there to Seattle, Washington to help okay. start this small church community. And then my wife and I still have this idea that we're going to start an orphanage. So we travel through South America studying different orphanage models and going, you know, what works, what doesn't. 
Okay, uh, Zach, you are the ultimate do-gooder, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, move back. At this point, we moved back from coming back from that trip. Uh, we moved to Coeur d'Alene, back to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, my, my hometown. Okay. And we- Is she so from there too, your fiance? No, she's uh, she's from the Northwest. I mean, your wife? She's from like uh, Redmond, Bend, Oregon kind of area. I know exactly yeah, so, where that is because yeah. my, my uh, granddaughter went to boarding school there. So I've been there many okay. times. Beautiful yeah. area. It's a beautiful area too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she, you know, so we moved back to Coeur d'Alene, not really still knowing what we were doing. We still thought we were going to move internationally, start an orphanage, okay. do something. And we'll get to Coeur d'Alene. And all of a sudden I find myself in this position of um, lead pastor at the age of 22 now. Oh my goodness. I mean, uh, did you go to pastoral school? Is that what you? Oh. No, I mean, I was going to school for, uh, I had a minor in business, major in religion. Okay. Uh, is what I was doing, but I never finished because I stopped, uh, you know, I stopped going to school and started the nonprofit. So mm-hmm. I didn't finish school until a couple of years ago. But yeah, so I, you know, started pastoring the church. This church starts growing and we're, you know, so again, it's a spot where like anything I really put my mind to, it's working. Um, do you remember and- during all these times that you had like a feeling inside, like, I should be doing this. This is something like it's a calling or you just I felt like it was part okay. of my identity. Like, okay. you know, it really was. But then, you know, a couple about three years into pastoring, the church is about 150 people and it's growing. I'm young. Um, so young. I'm, I'm so like, young. As I'm I know sm- I look I look at like a 22, 23 year old now and I'm like, no way. What the uh, heck was I thinking? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so I you know, what happened, though, was I really got stuck in this spot of believing that I had to have all the answers for people that I had to, I had to put on this facade that I had it together and Mm -hmm. I didn't inside. I, 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 at this point in my life, I began to have so much uh, anxiety and worry. And am I going to have the right? Are we doing the right thing? All these things. And yet I wasn't, I had no idea how to process it or how to bring it out or how to share about it. And so um, three years into pastoring, um, my son, my wife is pregnant with our first kid. Um, he, I ended up having an affair. So, oh, wow. and I don't even, I mean, like, honestly, I just don't love even the word affair. It sounds sometimes too pretty. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I cheated on my wife yes. and, uh, I couldn't live with it. And I knew the consequences to my actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came home one night and I sat down with my wife and I just said, Hey, this, this is what happened. Um, I swear I'm going to start crying. I mean, that is so brave, but go ahead. Yeah. And and so at that point, my life exploded. Um, So all of a sudden, um, my wife and I, she left, took our brand new son. And I I would imagine she wasn't like, oh, that's okay, honey. Let's just kiss and My wife is a a very strong-willed, amazing woman. Uh, You know, it was one of those when I was like, when I was sharing, I knew I had to share this with her. I knew we were done. Like, I just, I didn't see her staying around. I just didn't. Oh, um, wow. So she, she basically it went like this. Like I came home when I told her and she looks at me and grabs our son and she says, I'm leaving. Um, just, I'm leaving. And oh I was like, where, where are you going? She's like, I'm, I'm going to your parents. And so I get on the phone with my parents and I say, Hey mom, uh, here's what happened. We'll talk about it later. Uh, please take care of my, my, my wife and my son. And, and then I called the church. I called the board of the church and said, Hey, here's what I did. Um, and so within a 24 hour period, I lost my, my marriage, my son and, and my job and my community and any, any, uh, form of belief in myself, you oh, know? And wow. so, so that was kind of, that was my big, like blow my world up moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet. And, and I, um, 
you know, so I went down this road of, I started working really hard to kind of restore um, any, mm -hmm. any chance I had with my marriage. You know, I got into counseling, I started doing that, but I still had so much shame around my actions because what it was, was it was one of those, like, everybody has them. We all have these, like, I'll never do that in my life things. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and that was one of mine. That was one of my moral compass codes. Like, I would never cheat on my wife. And I did. So mm -hmm. then I was left with this identity crisis of like, well, who am I then? Like, what do I even believe about myself? What do I even believe to be true? And, mm -hmm. um, and I had so much shame. The shame was the biggest part for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even address it extremely well, even with counseling. You know, I think I even hid the shame there. You know, I would work on the outward side and mm -hmm. things yeah. would look good. But there was so much shame <laughs> that I began to, I began to drink. It was my only form oh. of like, it would just give me at least a reprieve or a moment mm -hmm. of not feeling mm -hmm. it. Well, and so that became, that became my rhythm. My wife and I, we did, we, a long, long road, but we worked towards, um, reunifying and, um, got back together. Okay. And I'm sure we, that took a lot of work. A lot. I mean, yeah, it's all, you know, it's, it's one of those funny things where it's like, it can't even describe how much work it was and I, how much, how much she put in on her part and how much we both said, like, I mean, that's when I said, we still go to marriage counseling. I mean, it's become a rhythm. We, we see a counselor on a once a month basis right now. And it's more of a maintenance at this point, but yeah. like we're, we're constantly in check-in, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, because marriage is hard work. Anyone, any of us that have been married longer than a second does, yep. we can love our spouse and be attracted to them, whatever, but things come up and it's yep. what you do with it. You know, that matters. Not that, not that it's not going to happen, Yeah, that it's going to happen. There's going to be issues that come up and at different stages of life, different things come up and it's what you do with that. Yeah. And, so, but I mean, I, 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 both of us, if you even ask her, we, we wouldn't trade our story because, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we would have the depth that we have inside of our marriage if it wasn't for the stuff. It, I don't think we would have learned how to fight well, communicate well, how to deal with conflict. I think we just would have kind of had this easy American dream on know, a superficial level though. Yeah. On so. a superficial level that never really was true, you know? Exactly. And, uh, but yeah, so I mean, the shame, the shame knocked me out of the game. I mm -hmm. mean, it knocked me out of like, um, and I don't just say the game of like what I was doing career wise. I, I say like, I, as a, even as a dad, I can look back now and go like, I, I wasn't giving my kids my all, you know, okay. um, yeah. I was, I was a good, I was still a good dad, but I was a closet alcoholic at this point. And I was really good so, at this. So you're back, you're there. back with your wife, but you're still drinking. Yeah, but I'm drinking. Um, just, I mean, alcohol, like any addiction is progressive. Uh, right. Right. So it was really not that, I mean, it was, you know, a little bit here, you know, or I would okay. find myself, I would drink in my car just a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, before so you were I like took, a high functioning, it was high functioning. I was a very high functioning <laughs> alcoholic. <laughs> yep. I hear you. Uh, you know, which made it difficult though, because, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know where I fit in once I, once the decision kind of was like brought to the table, like, Hey, I think I have a problem with drinking. You know, I'd walked into the rooms of AA and I go like, uh, it's hard because I, I didn't feel like I fit in there because everyone's talking about their terrible childhood traumas and um, this living under a bridge, you know, and I'm going being I'm in jail, really, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm a really high functioning alcoholic <laughs> that I don't know if I, you know, and so I, I still now I go to AA like a couple times a week because I, I found my own place in it um, mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. I can fit in there. Mm -hmm. But uh but at the beginning, I didn't know. I couldn't. I was like, man, I'm not like these people, you know. And so mm -hmm. I was always looking for the differences versus the similarities. And 
I've learned a lot now to look at the similarities versus the differences. Okay. You know? Listeners listen to that because the truth of the matter is with all our struggles in life and how we try to find ourselves, we do have more similarities than differences. But if we're yeah. only going to be looking at, well, they're so different and I, I can't, then we're, we're never going to really be able to be honest with ourselves and who yeah. we are. So no, I, I, I agree. Love that. I mean, and that, that is, and the world becomes more, um, I can have way more compassion and love for people when I look for my, when I look for the similarities that we should carry, you know, like I have a lot of friends right now that are going through some pretty heavy divorces. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can sit there and go, I can find our similarities and struggles and go, man, that is really hard and have compassion in the moment mm -hmm. uh, versus looking at the differences and go, Oh, look, oh, I made mine work. Why can't you, you know? And it's very different. So it's just a well, I totally. And compassion to me is one of the main cornerstones. I think of feeling a more settled in life filled with inner peace versus anger and negativity. Yeah. And like you're saying differences. So I, yeah. I, I, yeah, compassion is great. So, so you started re your recovery process. Yeah. Started my recovery process, but never really fully accepted it for myself. I think I was okay. doing it for my wife or I was doing it for, because a counselor said I should, okay. uh, you know, but I would have long kind of bouts. I would, I would have six months of, you know, not drinking sobriety. And then I would go out one night and just get hammered and come home, lie to my wife about it. And mm -hmm. then, and then we'd put ourselves back in this cycle of, does she trust me? This deceit, this dishonesty. And, mm -hmm. and we ran this cycle for a long time. Um, and things got good for a while where it was, it was like a year. I wasn't drinking. And then and you feel thought, like you're, you're cured. You're done. Yeah. And so then <laughs> you're all good. And, and then we, we felt this kind of sense of freedom to like leave Coeur d'Alene and move to move to Maui. And so we, oh. um, we moved here three weeks after, after the idea popped up of like, Hey, it's possible. And we, we just, we just packed up. My second child was just born. She was only a month old. Oh, wow. Um, so we packed up, moved here. And did you know anybody in Maui or you just always thought it was beautiful? No, we vacationed here a lot and mm -hmm. uh, we kind of knew the area, but I mean, I was, man, once again, I was just that I, I, I packed my, we left our house fully furnished back in Idaho, packed up like six bins of stuff, moved to Maui. I rented a condo for five days and I figured after five days, I'd be able to find somewhere for us to live. And, uh, Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious just thinking about that. Oh man, you, I got here and I'm not kidding you. The rental market was insane. The first place I look at, they're like, you are our 60th applicant today. Thank you. And I was just like, uh Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, Oh, this is not going to work out well. Uh, but yeah, found, got a place on the fifth day and, and, uh, that was eight years ago. So yeah, we kind of, we kind of moved here with the idea that we're like, let's go stay here for a year. Um, but mm -hmm. we fell in love with the island. My family, they followed us out here. So like my sister and brother-in-law are here. My parents are here. My wife's parents are here now. Everybody kind of came. That's so wonderful. Yeah, I love that. But so, yeah. So my journey was, uh, we got to this, you know, beautiful island of Maui. Yes. started making great friendships. Uh, I'm doing wedding photography at this moment in oh. life. Um, which is a great industry on this island. Mm -hmm. And that, all this You're is You're a very talented fellow. You have a lot of multidimensional uh, capabilities here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jack, jack of all trades. They always joke with me. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, but the big thing for me was I still never address the shame. You know, I still oh. internally believe this lie about myself that I wasn't good enough, that I was unworthy, that I was un- that, that I screwed up too big to have any impact in the world anymore. Oh. You know, and like, if I really looked at like, if you look at like, you talk about purpose or identity, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I use the word identity a lot. I believe at the core, my identity is to help shift culture. Um, 
that's that's what I love to do. I love to step into an environment uh, of whatever it is, whatever culture it is, and how to and look at it and go, how do we make this more um, loving, compassionate, kind? You know, how do how do we shift people's perspective yes. and and change? Beautiful. And so that's what I love to do. And so then all of a sudden, I believe this lie that I wasn't worthy of being able to uh-huh. add any value into the world anymore. So I kind of just numbly walked through it, you know, and, okay. uh, and still it was drinking, still drinking at this time periodically on or? and off, you know, okay. on and off. I went to a, I went at this point, I went to an outpatient treatment program. Uh, okay. and that series of events happened by, I, you know, I, I shared with a close group of our friends here that, Hey, I, you know, I think I got to really struggle with drinking and I can't get a hold of it. And one of the gals in there was like, well, why don't you go talk to my friend? And she was, this gal was a counselor also. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought she was just sending me to a counselor. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw this other lady and she actually was the owner of a treatment center here on Maui. And I had no idea. And so I showed up. I love the universe when that I steps know. in. And the I best part it. was this, like, right. This is the best part. I show up and she looks, she reminded me of my mom and I reminded her for some reason of her son. And so she looks at me and we talk for a while in her office and she goes, Hey, listen, um, this program is hundred percent free for you. I just want you to show up tomorrow. And I was like, I didn't even know what I was showing up for. And I was like, <laughs> and, but I was at such a broken space where I was like, I'm in, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in. Um, and I think there's some beauty about being at a vulnerable, broken space to uh-huh. say, I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you, I mean, not to get, I mean, I don't know if this is too personal. No. Did you ever feel like I'm not like suicidal thoughts or. I did. I think there were moments in my drinking where like, I would think like, Hey, I wonder if I like the idea of suicide for me like and the damage it would cause to my family i think was was enough but there was there was the feeling inside of myself where going well what if i just swam out to ocean and Mm -hmm. just never just didn't stop swimming yeah well just from what you're saying for the kind of pain that you were feeling and the kind of shame it wouldn't be uncommon and just Mm -hmm. to let people know that it was usually the day afters you know like you would drink exactly oh i feel good in this moment right and then i'd wake up the next morning with the promise, I will never do this again. Yes. And the hangover. And then I, but I was high functioning. So I would literally, I would wake up some mornings to go surf with my friends. And, and they would never know what no, you were because feeling. I, or I, didn't, what... I didn't want to cancel because if I canceled, they would wonder what's going on. So I would be hungover, miserable, oh, sitting wow. on a board in the water going, life sucks. I just think I should paddle away. You oh know? my goodness. Yeah. So what do you think gave you that? I mean, besides, I feel like the universe you know, you talk about a spiritual life, you were a pastor yeah. and like, you know, yeah. something bigger. So you met this woman, but what, when you say I, I, I was at a point where I was willing, like, how did you get, you know, when you think about, it, I was willing to look for that help versus paddling out. Cause we want listeners to know there's always hope. As long as you have breath, there's hope. You know what, what, what's funny is I think part of, part of my story is, is the idea that you know, I, tr- I tried a lot of different things and I, I didn't give up. And I think what happens in a lot of times with people is we have a tendency to try one thing like, hey, I tried AA, it didn't work so that nothing's going to work for mm-hmm. me. Yes. Stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, where So I kept trying everything that people suggested. Hey, do this. I tried it. I tr- do this. And it wasn't until, you know, I've been in this journey of recovery and having these still relapses. It wasn't until you know, a few years ago that I was finally able to sit down and go, okay, look at all these things I've tried. Now, mm-hmm. what really works for me? What program mm-hmm. do I need to develop for me that works specifically for, for not for this person, not for this, but for me, I, now I have all these tools in front of me. It's just, now I get to pick and choose which tools are going to begin to work mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and so I think for me, my kids gave me a lot of my hope, you know, um, one of my biggest breaking moments was, so I, I would, when I would buy alcohol, I wouldn't buy it with a card because my wife would see if I bought it on a credit card or, you know, on the debit card. Um, so hard to be, I remember they were, they were all, they were all gone and I'm sitting in my kid's bedroom, taking money out of my daughter's piggy bank. Promising her, promising myself, I'll pay it back. Yeah. Um, just so I could go buy some more alcohol without being known. And mm. uh, I remember just sitting there on the edge of the bed, just crying and sobbing, going, "This is not the dad I am. This is not who I'm de- meant to be." And that was a big, that was a big like aha moment for me, mm. you know. And I kept having those moments where I like you just hold on to those and go, "Okay, I'm gonna hold on to this, and I'm gonna keep trying to figure out what works for me." Mm-hmm. Um, all, so yeah, I did. Enough- Amazing, yeah. very sweet story. Thank you for sharing that that part of it. But so go ahead. Yeah. So you're holding on. You're like, a, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying you're amazing. You just keep having fortitude. Like there's got to be an answer here. So go yeah. ahead. And uh, did the outpatient treatment program. And, and I learned a lot. Um, mm-hmm. My eyes got open to even more compassion for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, your, and, and yourself and myself, you know, and I, I started, um, you know, so after I got out of that, I was sober for a while and I drank again. And then, uh, you know, mm. got sober for a while and I drank again. And every time I would drink, there was such a a shame attached to the relapse mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I I heard it said that, you know, oh, relapse is just part of the part of the recovery process that, you know, you yeah. uh, if you're willing to learn from them. You know, it's part of the journey, but I couldn't believe that at that time. I still was okay. like, no, this isn't truth. Uh, yeah, that's but it was, about, it was about maybe three years ago that uh, there was a group of people here on Maui that we kind of held this kind of mini conference, about a hundred of us uh, with a guy that we'd all kind of connected with. And he talked a lot about identity and uh, mm-hmm. a lot about like, what is our identity? Who are, who are we? And if we learn to be quiet and listen, we can actually begin to hear our identity of who we are. And, uh, and it was in those moments that I began to, to learn to be quiet enough to listen um, mm-hmm. that I began to hear, you know, that my identity is not an alcoholic. My identity is not the guy that cheated on his wife. My identity is not uh, this guy full of shame and fear. And, and I really began to believe it and for the first time again, that I began to really believe that no, my identity is not wrapped up in those things, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when I personally internally believed it and go, mm-hmm. yeah, these are struggles and yes, they always will be. And yes, yeah. they are things that I will choose to work on on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but they don't define me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think our problem is so often as we, as, as humans, one, we believe this weird lie that we're not going to mess up and struggle and, and we're, we're going to have it all fit together. And that, that's not true. I, you know, I'm a ragamuffin. That's how I look at myself. I, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a mess and I, I'm going to mess up again. And- First of all, I'm, I'm smiling because when I read my quote, you know, I, hear, I think you're my eighth episode. I'm, I think, I don't know. And I always do a quote at the end, not knowing exactly where the podcast yeah. is going to go. And it's like crazy when I read what I picked out for today. Hmm. It's sort of anyways, awesome. but, but you're right. We are, we are, we're here. We're going to suffer. We're going to yep. screw up. And that's part of the learning process and the journey, especially you use the yeah. word identity, which I totally agree with, but we can't really know what our purpose is. If we're not also in touch with our identity, like who am I and what kind of impact do I want to have on the world? Yep. So, and that so, takes time. I think that just yes. takes time learning to listen and learning to be quiet because our world is so loud. 
so loud and so right now tumultuous. Yep. You know, and so for me, one of the biggest practices that I put into play now, I always like to go like, I like to go like where, where, what are the tangibles? Like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's all good in theory, but like for me, um, I call my anchors and, uh, I mean, I, cause the way I look at it is if my life is this, this ship in a Harbor, Mm-hmm. If I only have one anchor that's holding me steady, the chances of that snapping and I just floating off into the abyss again is very possible. But mm-hmm. if I can go, what are, what are my multiple anchors that I'm going to set? So oh, like, I love that. I love uh, that vision. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, if I have five or six anchors, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe one anchor stops working for me, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. the others that hold me steady enough to be able to ask the question, what other anchor can I put down? Maybe that one didn't, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, you know, my anchors, uh, they look like, you know, one of them is I have a mentor that I, that I meet okay. with and, you know, he is somebody I'm always kind of in conversation with talking with, uh, mm-hmm. and another anchor for me is self-care. Cause I am not good at my own self-care. Oh, uh, like, and what does self-care look like for you? Self-care what for me it? can be anything from, you know, at the end of the day, stopping and getting in the water for five minutes and mm-hmm. just okay. in the water, or it could be going surfing, or it could be. You know, it, they're they're different, and in, in if I can become aware of my needs, I can kind of learn to meet them in a, exactly. in a healthy way, right? You know, and I'm not good at it though. Like my anchor of self care is still terrible. So <clears throat> one of the things I do is every Sunday I, I sit down with a whiteboard and I take what's on my phone and uh, I I put it onto the whiteboard of the calendar for the week, and I look at the week and the whole big sense of the week, and I go, you know, what's here? And usually it's my wife that comes in and looks at it too and goes. Hey, you got, you have zero self-care on here. Oh. Like you have a full week and you got nothing to do for yourself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. you know, so I'll try to like erase something and add it somewhere, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Cause I know if I don't schedule it, it won't happen. That's okay. just, that's, so that's one of the right. other things you know about yourself. If you're really going to stay on your journey to help people and be on your purpose, if you don't do yeah. self-care that lowers the bar here that your anchor is another anchor out to sea. Yep. 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 And so the calendar, the calendar is part of my anchor because like, if I, if I can sit down and visually see the week on, on paper and go, you know, this is what, and my kids like it. Everybody in the house likes it. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like on Sunday nights, everyone knows dad is at the, the kitchen counter mapping out the week and they're all looking and, you know, trying to go, where, where, where do I fit in? Do I get a date with dad this week? <laughs> you know, get- like what it is. Um, and then another, you know, self-care thing I do is I have an ice bath that I, I sit in at the end of every day. And it's just oh, a place I've to... read about that. That's a, that's a thing now. Does it? Yeah. So it became this weird trend and I was like, yeah, mm, I, I don't know about this, yeah, but that's, yeah, I'm uh, not sure about that for myself, but I have read about it, but it soothes uh, you. I love it. It's, uh, well, I think one, I don't think I would ever do this if I lived in a cold environment place. It's oh. hot where I live. Yeah. So the idea of like getting in freezing cold water actually sounds inviting. But two, I've always struggled with meditation. Um, like just, I, I not struggled like with the concept of it, but I've struggled with the, the practice of it. Okay. I have never been it's really hard. great. Yeah. yeah, I've never been great at it. But all of a sudden I found when I got in this ice bath, if, I, if my mind was all over the place, I could maybe last a minute in there. Mm-hmm. But if I could be able to be present and yes. in it, I could last 15 minutes and just wow. be completely do, do you listen. I mean, I'm, I meditate on a regular basis and I'm a big proponent mm-hmm. of it to clients and whatever, yeah. just even for 10 or 15 minutes, which is about what I do. Do you listen to tapes or do you just, I have, I've done like, 
But w- when I'm in the ice bath, no, it's okay. really just a presence of like, I mean, like probably the biggest thing I focus on is how cold, is, how cold you are. Well, <laughs> like if I, I, I try to see if I can get completely still where the, the water around me has no ripples. And then I see the, it's out my ice baths, like outside under a mango tree. And I see if I can get the reflection of the tree like clear, you know, and so that's, I mean, that's where my mind goes. So it's I want to, I want to say cool. I want to say how cool that is like a little play on words, <laughs> a little joke, but that is uh, cool. Anyways, it. go ahead. Yes. I love it. So yeah, that, that, that is one of my self cares though. You know, it's, it's funny. So some people, they'd be like, that is torture. Not yeah. Self-care. Well, I, right. I think it sounds wonderful for you. Probably not yeah. something I'm going to be doing, but I, I do, I have heard about it. So it must, it must do some good things. Yeah. All right. So you work really hard to do self-care and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So in terms of like, when you're thinking right now, if you were to say, so I feel, it sounds like you feel like you're on your, you know, you, you're more in touch with your identity. You're more compassionate to yourself and you're kind of on your purpose. So, which mm-hmm. if you were to kind of encapsulate, like, what do you feel your purpose right now at this particular time in your life? It doesn't have to be one thing, which I always tell people, you don't have to have just one thing. So what, what comes to mind? So like wrapped in my identity is this idea that I'm uh, like a cultural architect. Like I like to yeah, help. So, right. That's what you were culture, saying. Culture, right? Yeah. Uh, so right now my focus is um, helping shift the culture and how we see sobriety and how we see alcohol oh, and how we okay. see, how we see that in our culture and mm-hmm. uh, how we actually, what are the beliefs that we have centered around alcohol that aren't true and helping okay. just begin to make that shift and change. Um, you know, so there's that. And then the other side is the foster care system that, that yes. my wife and I get to work with is same thing. Like my heart is to change. Um, there's such a, there's a weird stigma around foster care mm-hmm. in America and you know, there's Agreed. Half, a million, half a million kids in foster care system. And yet we don't address it, deal with it, talk with it. And, uh, and so helping, helping shift the culture of how we see and love and, and change the system, because if we don't change the system, the kids that are currently in the foster care are going to be the kids that are in our prison system. And they're also going to be the kids that are going to have their kids in the foster system. It's a Mm -hmm. cycle unless we change it. So, so, and okay. So first of all, I can hear that both things, both in terms of changing the cultural feeling around alcoholism and sobriety, and as well as helping foster kids. I'm sure everyone else is going to feel this way too. How wonderful. And how, when we help others, Usually we have a feeling inside, like we're on, we're on the right path. Is that yeah. what you kind of feel inside? Like, is, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's you, 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 first of all, the listener can't see, let me just say, Zach's adorable and he's articulate and you know, you're open and you're vulnerable and I can hear the compassion and the, and the commitment to not just, you know, yes, helping yourself, obviously, because you can't help your, you can't help other people if you're not helping yourself. Yeah. So you're doing all that. But I, and the inside, does it feel like work or I mean, look, what's it feeling like for you in your day to day life? No, I mean, there's a lot of joy. Um, you uh-huh. know, there's it's 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 funny. The days that I get to do like braving the journey stuff or, or you know, working. That's, with, that's the name of his podcast. Just yeah. so give we're that a little plug because I'm going to listen like, to it, by the way, like the <laughs> podcast or getting to work with other alcoholics uh-huh. or, um, you know, like right now I'm trying to finish up this. 30 day sober challenge, uh, video series that, you know, so you can get a video every day that comes to you and it's kind of just walking you through this process of sobriety. When I get to work on these things, it brings a lot of life to me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not full time in it yet. meaning mm-hmm. that like, I still bring an in income for my family elsewhere. Okay. Um, and I, 
foray that soon. My, my goal is by the end of this year is that I'm, everything is transitioned to full-time there. We're hoping to start offering these five-day intensive retreats here on Maui that are going to be these like sober retreats where the biggest thing of it is we're going to dig really deep at the why. Like why be, what's the why behind the drinking? Not, not the drinking itself, but what's the deep part of the why? Yep. And then also giving people those practical anchors going, hey, let's look at your anchors and figure out what they are and how do we put them down and let's practice them here right. and well, figure out which ones you take with you. It sounds like you built a nice community around you as well in terms of, you know, friends and family. Like you said, we can't we can't live on an island, even though you are. We have yeah. to have <laughs> uh, yeah. we I'm just a little comedian today, um, but we, we do. We have to have people around us who are going to support us on our journey. And it sounds like, you know, you and your wife are on the same page. And again, not that everything is perfect every minute, especially with three little nope. kids. I'm sure oh, there man, are no. challenges there, but nice that your family is there. How how nice is that? But mostly what I'm hearing is, is that on the inside, you feel very um, joyful in doing this work. And I'm using the work in quotation marks. And that ultimately your hope is that it's also going to give you enough financial freedom to whatever yeah. else you're doing in your other, what's your other, how, how, in terms of what, what's your other actual, like that you're- What do I actually do to make yeah. money? Yeah. Uh, if I may ask. Right now. No, you can ask. Like, okay. uh, right now I have, um, so I remodel condos and still shoot weddings. So like right now I have three condos that we're in okay. full remodels on and um, weddings on the books. You are such a talented, as I said, multidimensional person. So, but this is what I love of what I'm hearing about this story for hopefully the listener too. So he, he shared his whole story, which was, thank you so much to be so open yeah. and vulnerable. I love that more than anything. Cause I think we have to learn from other, uh, other people's stories. Yeah. Um, and you have all these talents. I mean, it sounds like you're great in sports and, and you can do construction and you're a photographer and, but mostly in your heart, you're like a giver and you want to help people. And that's what gives you the most inner joy. So not that the other things, there's nothing wrong with doing the other things at all. That supports your family because we do have to eat. And, yep. but that your goal is to keep doing the stuff that gives you the most joy and with the hope, which I think will be, by the way, just, I'm just saying my own gut feeling that you're going to do well financially and, and continue to help others. I mean, I love your idea about your retreat. Who doesn't want to come to Maui for five right? days, sober or not sober? I mean, whatever. Yep. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I've been <laughs> no. to Maui. I love it. So thank you so much. Any other closing thoughts that you would want to kind of say about your journey and your purpose? And no, I, I mean, right now, I think I, I mean, I just want people to know, you know, I think, I think what we have a tendency to do is um, play the comparison game. Mm -hmm. We hear podcast or mm -hmm. we see somebody else and we go, man, I want that. Or I want to be this person. Or I want to do this thing. And that's not, see, this is, this is what I think has become so fun for me to understand is that we are each unique that there's not one other person in this world and all of the world's history that is you in this moment totally and so when all of a sudden we try to be somebody else the world misses out on who we were meant to be for the world and for us and so I love that. yeah so so for me like i am me my identity is me and no one else in the world will ever get to be me and so if if i don't bring me to this world the world misses a part of it and so if if we could all live and wake up with this idea that going I'm not going to be this person. I'm not going to be what I see on social media. I'm not going to be this. I'm going to sit quietly and go, yes. what do you want me to know today? Who yeah. am I? What yeah. do you want me to do today? And then we begin to operate out of that space. The world. First of all, if you were right next to me right now, whether you liked it or not, I would have to give you a hug. Just I like saying. I like, so, I like hugs. So. A virtual hug here. Um, yep. I agree with everything you're saying. Really, yep. really great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. 
lots of words of wisdom. This would be the kind of podcast I would have to, and I might listen to it again, because I think you said so many things that were <laughs> so heartfelt and, and really so helpful and particularly what I'm trying to get across here. So no, I, here. Love, I love what you're doing. So keep it up. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is what I picked out for today, not knowing exactly where we were going. Okay. Mm. So here's yeah. what it is. It's by Helen Keller. Character cannot be developed in necessarily ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success and purpose achieved. Hmm. So just kind of what we were talking about that yeah. you, you, you have to go through, uh, you know, crap sometimes to get yep. to the other side. So just going to say one more time, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened ambition inspired and success and purpose achieved and obviously she had a lot of that miss helen keller so um I love yeah it. so good all right well thank you again i'm gonna wrap up and say goodbye so to all you that are listening thank you so much for listening to my podcast hope you're living your life with purpose and on purpose i'm janice alpert until next time 